I'm here to tell you today that when Christians tell you you're not allowed to think differently than their interpretation of the Bible, that is not correct. And not only do I believe it's not correct, I think it's a lie and a complete misinterpretation of the Bible. And why don't we get started with Pastor Paul's Bible talk? This is my Deconstruction You lesson number one. And if you're interested in a mentorship with me and me walking alongside you, I'm offering my Deconstruction You program at a really low, low rate. This is how I fund my work that I do and all the free content I put out like this Bible talk. So you can go to my website, pastor-paul.com to find out how to participate in a mentorship with me. And we need it sometimes because what we see in the Bible is after Jesus went to heaven, Jesus is gone, and the disciples, his closest followers, are just like, WTF do we do now? And suddenly things had to change. And things changing in our viewpoint is okay. And let me start this lesson with a quote from Rachel Held Evans about deconstructing our faith. And Rachel Held Evans, brilliant, brilliant woman, who is one of the original deconstructionist writers. And she says, I'm writing because sometimes we are closer to the truth in our vulnerability than in our safe certainties. We're safer and closer to the truth in our vulnerability of saying, I don't know. I'm not sure I believe what I believed before. And I think actually I'm safer there than when I knew everything in the certainty of the indoctrination of my religion. And this happened to the disciples after Jesus went to heaven. And we see this in the story of Peter in Acts chapter 10. And it's interesting because I put this story out uh, this week on social media of how Jesus came to Peter uh, I mean, we can sum summarize or we can guess that it's Jesus. It seems to be Jesus, but that's arguable as much of the Bible is. But if we see Peter calling Jesus Lord, then what the Lord Jesus is telling Peter in the story in Acts chapter 10 is, I know what you believe about scripture. I know what your interpretation is of the Bible, but I'm about to tell you you're going to violate that interpretation and live differently. And it's really interesting, the comments I got from Christians of like, oh, that you're interpreting that incorrectly. This is actually Jesus saying that the old law has gone away and the new has come and, and some different things. And, and all of those are opinions we can argue about. The funny thing is Christians believe, well, this is what I was told, and so therefore it is the only way we can interpret that story. But there is more than one way to look at it because we can't see the entire the entire context in, in the text, and we also are interpreting, uh, like I saw one TikTok creator say brilliantly once, we're interpreting Jesus who spoke Aramaic, translating Hebrew, that is, was then translated into Greek, and we read it in English. And then we're supposed to say, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt what it all means. And, uh, and, and then there's plenty of verses that I could pull to say, yes, this means that Jesus did not tell Peter to violate scripture, and I can bring verses that say he did. But what we see happening here is unquestionable. There is Peter on the roof of this house, and he has this vision, and it's all of these animals that 
somebody in Peter's religious belief system are banned from eating. They're not allowed to eat shrimp or lobster. Anybody who tells you, uh, for instance, homosexuality is a sin because Leviticus says so, then just ask them, do you eat shrimp or lobster or any of the other foods that are forbidden in the Levitical law? And then some of them may say some crap like, well, that's ceremonial law versus moral. That There is no such thing in the Bible. That was made up by human beings later try to justify themselves in their faith. Um, but th this is true. All of these animals come down from heaven in the sheet and this voice from heaven that many interpret to be Jesus say to Peter, go eat these animals. And Peter, Peter's answer is no Lord is how it's translated in the scripture. But many uh, commentators that I've read said, you can interpret this as hell no Lord. It is a, a powerful rebuke. How could you possibly Lord, ask me to violate scripture because the Bible is so important and it's inerrant and it's good for teaching and rebuke. Lord, you would never ask me to violate scripture. And the voice from, from heaven, which some would say is Jesus says, eat it. Three times this happens and three times Peter says, hell no, Lord, which is an ironic statement because in those days to say no to a sovereign authority was to mean death. And here is Peter saying, absolutely not. Maybe he thought it was a test. And he's like, I'm a good boy. I will not violate scripture because Jesus may come and leave me behind. And finally, the voice from heaven, the voice that could have been Jesus says, Peter, do not call unclean anything that I call clean. Jesus is telling Peter to violate scripture and his interpretation of scripture. And why was Jesus doing this in the story? Because the next thing you know, there's a knock on the door and a group of Romans are there and they're saying, come to the house of our boss. He's had an experience with heaven and he wants to know more. And not only was Peter's biblical interpretation, one that said he wasn't allowed to eat these animals. It also said he was not allowed to sit or go to the home of anyone who wasn't specifically a part of his very exclusive religion. And Jesus said, not only do I want you to eat those forbidden foods, I want you to go hang out with those forbidden people. And let me tell you something, evangelicals, if your God is still alive and still powerful, that God can say to you, yeah, you may interpret scripture to say homosexuality is wrong, but I say, go sit with those people and love them just as they are. Not in your love the sinner, hate the sin, condemning, hate-filled, self-righteous way, which is not a passage in the Bible we're ever taught to do, but in a way that heaven gets to say to us, I know what your interpretation of scripture is, but I'm telling you today that changes so that you can love your neighbor as yourself, not love your neighbor from an agenda to try to get another mark in your sales belt for the kingdom. Jesus in Acts chapter 10 comes to Peter and commands him, today, you will deconstruct your religion. And we see the other uh, disciples who now are called apostles come around together and they're like, 
All I can tell you is I'm seeing the spirit of God on people that we don't believe deserve God's favor. And what do we do about that? And they said, you know what? We're going to have to accept them. Heaven deconstructed their beliefs. Heaven said, you heard it said, but now heaven says, live differently. And Christians would say, yes, and that's how we got the New Testament, and that's why our religion is better than everybody else's, because God changed all of this. And I'm saying, today, God is saying to you again, change your beliefs. And Christians are saying, hell no, Lord, hell no. You could never tell us to vote for a Democrat. You could never tell us to have mercy on a pregnant woman. We know what scripture is and hell no, we will never think differently than we think today. And because so many of us are starting to say, wow, that religious system that is fighting for political power to impose itself on the civil culture looks really nasty and hate-filled and exclusive and we're walking away. The status quo is saying, oh yeah, we'll destroy you just as it did in the first century. But don't believe me that Heaven could still come and say, the Spirit of God couldn't come and say, violate your scripture. Well, this was demonstrated to us in the Bible. Jesus goes into the desert and we're told is tempted by Satan or tempted by a spirit of evil in Matthew chapter four. And it says that Jesus had fasted for 40 days and he was hungry and, and the devil comes and says, well, hey, if you're really the son of God, then change these stones to bread and eat. And Jesus answered, it says here in Matthew four, four, which you can see on YouTube or Facebook, TikTok, guys, you'll have to trust me. Um, Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, uh, a literalist, an inerrant, an inerrant Bible Christian would say, yes, every word that has come from the mouth of God, and we now hold in this leather bound book, and God can never say another word ever again. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the translation in the English Standard Version that I'm reading. Uh, but the term is crafted in a way, and you can see this is how we look at things, um, that uh, the interpretation is this word here that I won't even try to pronounce, ekporumai, and it means that is proceeding ultimately. It means to go forth out of and depart, to come forth, to proceed, to flow forth like a river, to project from one's mouth, to spread abroad of a rumor. So other places we see this word used in the Bible, it is a, a present and future tense word. Every word that is proceeding from the mouth of God, not has proceeded at some time in the past. If you have a God that cannot continue to speak and say, hey, I'm telling you today to violate your interpretation of scripture because it's not what is coming from heaven in the season, then you are worshiping a man-made God and not the actual creative goodness of the universe of heaven that is over us all.
You have bought into a dogma and an indoctrination, not into pursuing the true truth of heaven. So we're to live by every word that is proceeding from the mouth of God. And like Peter, be told, yeah, I know that's how you used to interpret scripture, but you don't get to do that anymore. Now you have to believe the way we believe or we will throw you out of the community. And since we are often afraid of going against our community narrative, and since so many of us who grew up in the church, our complete identity is built around agreement on Christian ideals, to question our beliefs becomes a very scary thing. And you can see it in the comments on TikTok in particular, people who are status quo fighters because they're terrified of a new thought. They're terrified of the idea of what if we start to think and God gets mad at us for thinking. But I'm here to tell you, God is not mad at you and God actually created thought and reason and intelligence and pursuing truth. In Proverbs, we're told it is the glory of God to hide a matter and the honor of kings to search it out. Rethinking your faith is not only permissible, it is a command of the Bible. And if you don't, the Bible says you become hard-hearted. Jesus said it this way to his disciples. He's talking about why he talks in parables. And he said, I talk in parables because those religious guys, those guys that follow a religious code, that their code was very similar to what evangelicals believe today, that you go, you, you go to heaven by you know, being a part of this religious system, but also don't drink, don't chew, don't smoke, and don't date girls that do. It's all grace, but yeah, here's the rules. You can't be gay, you can't be Democrat, all of that stuff. That was the belief that Jesus criticized calling the leaders of it whitewashed tombs in the first century. And it's the same belief in American evangelicalism today. And Jesus said, I speak in parables so they won't understand what I'm saying because their hearts are so hardened as it tells us in Hebrews. And because their hearts are hardened, their eyes are blinded and their ears are closed to the truth. And Jesus said this in Matthew 13, you can see it on the screen on YouTube and uh, Facebook. He says, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah, he's talking about Isaiah chapter six, the Isaiah prophecy is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. That's what Jesus says about people who are in an indoctrinated dogmatic religion. Your heart gets hardened by eating the leaven of that religion and it inculcates all that you are and you no longer have eyes to see or ears to hear. He says in Matthew 13, 15, for these religious people, their heart has grown dull and their eyes, their ears can barely hear, their eyes have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and be healed. But blessed are your eyes, those who are deconstructing their faith, those who are leaving the dogma and indoctrination behind. Blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. And listen to this promise 
of those who are willing to question their religious beliefs. Truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus said, we have to go after every word that is proceeding from the mouth of God on an ongoing basis, not some men came up with this canon they called the Bible, and we now have our interpretation of it, and no more knowledge can ever be gleaned. Jesus said to the lawgivers of his day, you've taken away the key to knowledge, and that's what American evangelicalism does today, and other, other Christianity out there as well, and other religions out there as well, but I'm talking to my people, evangelicals, and American evangelicalism today takes away the key to knowledge. You are not to think. You are not to question. You are not to ask, why did God want to kill Moses for not being circumcised? How can that be the God you tell me about? So not only is it okay to start to deconstruct your faith, it is commanded. Philippians 2 says it this way, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's saying you have the spirit of heaven, that goodness of heaven in you, that intelligence and wisdom in you, and the ability to access the intelligence and wisdom of heaven. So instead of being told what your sozo salvation is, and salvation doesn't mean praying a sinner's prayer and joining a, a particular sect of religion. Sozo means being restored in your connection to heaven, body, mind, and soul. And it says, continue to work out your salvation on a regular basis with fear and trembling. That means take it seriously. Don't just do it frivolously. Take it seriously. You are to continue to keep working out your sozo between yourself and heaven. That's why Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Our spiritual connection to the universe ought to be vertical between me and the divine and horizontal between me and you. And Christians want their religion to be a relationship with a book that they believe they've interpreted correctly and don't even see that Jesus said to Peter, you're not in relationship with the book. You're in relationship with a living spirit that is moving and changing and walks with you through culture. And so you have to be attuned to every word that is proceeding from the voice of heaven, not saying we have everything there is to know in this book that we're not even sure the guys who put it together got right as the books that should be in there. We're confused because Jesus had a, had a book that had different books in it than ours do. So how do we know that the men who put the Bible together got it right? And even me asking that question scares to death a dogmatic, indoctrinated Christian, but it ought not to. If you're one of those who has lived in the heritage of your indoctrination of your religion, I tell you today, not only is it permissible to think, are we right or not? It is commanded by the Bible. Work out your salvation daily. And, oh, I forgot I was still in the verse there. Let me give you one more 
command from the Bible about this. Romans 12, 2, I think is the most important verse perhaps about how to live a Christian life. It says, don't be conformed to this world. And look at that little note there on the YouTube screen. That word does not mean that ugly, nasty world out there. Those worldly people, those those drag queens, don't be conformed. Those Democrats, don't be conformed to that. It mean, It says, don't be conformed to this age. Don't be conformed to the mindset of your community. Don't be conformed to the principality under which you've lived, but be transformed. That transform words being be completely changed like a caterpillar changed into a butterfly. Go into the liminal space of not knowing and come out as a butterfly by the renewal of your mind. And that, that word is crafted in a way it says by the ongoing, never ending renewing of your mind. And why would we do that? Why would we lean into the pain of transformation, of being totally broken down into our liminal selves? Because there is something better on the other side of that pain. My Christian friends say, sometimes it looks like your life's a real mess since you left the church. Yeah, because I'm allowing myself to be transformed and not conformed to the age in which I was brought up in. I'm not allowing myself to be indoctrinated anymore. So I'm being transformed and that's messy, just like the caterpillar be literally becoming a primordial soup inside the cocoon. It's a messy process. But let me tell you, it's messy in a nursery and it's neat in a cemetery. And you know why? Because one of those has life and one of those have death. Deconstruction is messy because there's life in deconstruction. Churches aren't quite as messy because they're dead and they're trying to adhere to a dead old belief system that says we know it all and hell no if the Lord tells us to think differently. Why would we do that? It says here in Romans 12, 2, um, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the ongoing renewing of your mind so you don't get stuck in some old ass religious belief system that Jesus called putting new wine into an old wineskin. But Get into the messiness of deconstructing your beliefs and sometimes saying my answer to these questions of theology is I don't freaking know what the answer is. But I'm allowing myself to be transformed by the ongoing renewing of my mind because I want to know what is right and true today, not what some old fat white guy told me in some old fat white church 50 years ago. People still listen to Jay Vernon McGee on the radio, even though that guy's been dead for over a decade. How can he possibly be bringing new revelation from heaven that allows us to discern the will of God today? Well, God is never changing. Why would you need a new word? Really? God is never changing. I know you can bring one Bible verse and say, see, God's never changing. Well, let's interpret that verse by what is actually in the Bible. God your God in the interpretation of your Bible said it was okay or didn't squabble when Abraham raped a slave girl to take her child as his lineage with Sarah. God's problem was that Abraham took the promise into his own hands, but God didn't tell Abraham, don't own the slave girl. God didn't tell Abraham, don't rape the slave girl. And God didn't tell Abraham, don't steal her child as your own. Do you think God would tell us that's okay today? Wow, 
God changed with human culture. Huh. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. And that sameness is that heaven is walking a journey in partnership with us, not sending down laws from 2,000 years ago that Jerry Falwell Jr. and Franklin Graham get to hypocritically make up as we go along to make themselves look righteous and be able to ostracize and otherize others. You ask me, is God mad at me? for deconstructing? Am I sending my kids to hell? And I'm telling you, not a chance. And Christians will try to hold you in bondage by saying, well, Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And so if you deconstruct, you know, I, I have relatives that tell me, I'm worried you may not go to heaven, Paul. And let me tell you, that's not a worry on my mind in the slightest. But here's from my deconstruction you lesson on my website, pastor-paul.com this idea of Christianity being the only way you can get to heaven. Jesus used the term in my name to get to the Father. And I'm reading from my website here. This was a common practice for followers of a teacher in first century uh, Palestine to say, I live in the name of teacher blank, meaning they followed the example, teaching, and life of their teacher. So someone who followed a teacher named Ezekiel perhaps uh, would be an Ezekielian, just like we say those who follow Jesus Christ are Christian. So if I was following teacher, teacher Ezekiel, I would say I live in the name of teacher Ezekiel. I am an Ezekielian. The term Christian likewise means one striving to live like Christ, not, not one that reads the Bible, says a magic prayer, and joins a religion. Being a Christian means to try to look like Christ as best we can, one who follows Christ as their teacher. And if we really thought that being Christian wasn't about saying a magic prayer at the last moments of our life, like Christians claim Jeffrey Dahmer did, but is, is instead an everyday work it out, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because you have the spirit of heaven in you. And today is the day you have to look up Christ and try to look like him. Not yesterday, not what was told before. How would we live differently? Well, I guarantee you, American Christianity would not look like it looks today. My deconstructionist friends, trust me, God is not mad at you for thinking. God is not mad at you for asking, is my indoctrination correct? In fact, Heaven, the Bible, are commanding you to do so. Amen. I want to remind you real quick before I start taking some of your questions that I do a mentorship program called Deconstruction You. If, if you're one of these people who are like, I'm just not sure how to walk out my theology in this space, then let me invite you to join me in Deconstruction You. It is a space and a mentorship for people um, who... Oh, I, I got the I pulled up the wrong one, but it's for people who have left their church but haven't left faith and spirituality behind. And what you get for joining, and I'm offering it at an incredibly low price that I can't even survive on at this point, but I'm hoping that I get many to hang out with me. Uh, you get an exclusive online study guide list, uh, including from my book. 
Joseph comes to town when the religious right goes religiously wrong. It's my novel about what Jesus would have to say to the right-wing Christian Church of America today. You also get the free audiobook version of that book if you like audiobooks, so you can listen to it. Then you'll get five free one-on-one Zoom meetings with me to kind of walk this through together. And so Deconstruction You, you can see the info on my website at pastor-paul.com. And I would love to walk this journey with you and love for you to be able to walk this journey with many other people who are in a very similar space to you. And if you're not able to jump into a mentorship right now, um, there are other ways you can help uh, me continue to do this work. And one of it is through Uh, supporting and subscribing on my website at pastor-paul.com for as little as $5.99 a month, up to $100 a month. You can subscribe, get some cool benefits, get access to our community chat room, ask me questions anytime you like, and, uh, and just be my friend and supporter and help me be able to live and put out free content like this. I am not a 501c3 tax deductible organization because I want to pay taxes and help my city with roads and schools and public safety. And so you don't get a tax deduction, but you do get some subscription benefits and uh, you just also get a heart that's generous and generosity carries its own reward, I believe, from the universe. So pastor-poll.com, that's where you can join. All right. What questions, thoughts, comments do you have? Um, and uh, be glad to have this discussion with you guys on deconstruction that I say not only is permissible from the Bible, but is a command. All right, guys, I'm going to go. Love you all. You're amazing. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining me for Pastor Paul's Bible Talk. We'll do it again soon.